This episode of Let's Meet is made possible by Boomtown Biscuits and Whiskey, a contemporary take on a classic American frontier food, and mmm, it's delicious. Stake your claim at 1201 Broadway in beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio. Phone number 513-381-2666. Website boomtownbiscuitsandwhiskey.com. Hello. Let's meet. Hi. Nice to meet you. Let's meet. Nice to meet you. Hey, bro. Hi. On the eighth episode of Let's Be, part two of three, Michael thinks education is important. Michael and Tim are from Tennessee. Tamaya thinks national politics are very sexy. Hiding homeless people doesn't make them less homeless. All we need is grace. Education (laughs) is really important right now. I feel like, especially with the current overall current administration that we have for the country, there's there's a lack of focus, and it's it's glaring now that there's a lack of focus on education um, for political system. Mm-hmm. Um, what what the ins and outs are. So I was talking to a, a friend of mine who uh, last year worked on Yvette Simpson's campaign, and he and I were talking, and and we were talking about this podcast that Tim and I wanted to do, and he was talking about how he wanted to start one. And so my encouragement to him, because he was a political science major. Mm-hmm. Um, my encouragement to him was to do something that educates people his age and younger. I know when you're when you're in high school, you you have to learn some form of government, and who cares about Thomas Jefferson? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that matters. That's a that's a groundwork and it's a framework, but it's not uh, relatable to 2018. I might I might agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, if you if you're going to go back 200 years, mm-hmm. who cares? It doesn't affect me now. We right. live. We live in a world where everything wants to be viral and our attention spans are cut in like a quarter of what it was when we were coming up. Yeah. Like we don't have that anymore. So how do we get education out to young people and help them understand this is what government looks like. It's okay to ask questions. We don't we don't have to live under a quote unquote regime of this is what we're doing because this is how we've always done it. It's okay for you to come in to be a freshman city council person and mm-hmm. ask, why are we doing it this way? How do you, do you have an idea or do you have any plans or goals to get some education out to the high school, the, the college age crowd? It's funny you ask that question. So I'm working on a program right now with CPS. Basically, it's like, uh, think about junior achievement. We were in school where we taught like business principles and definitions and you had to like create a business and like, I'm glad a simulation. You were. I mean, we don't get that. <laughs> well, we're, that's, from, we're from Tennessee. <laughs> well, that's, we that's what I did. That's what we did here in Ohio. Very different. We get taught it's none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we did here. And I want to create basically a civics program in high schools um, that's taught by city council members. So hoping to prototype it um, yeah. next year. Uh, but I really wanted to have a, they don't have to the city council members don't have to come up with the curriculum we'll have teachers who this is what they do do it but it'll be like four or five weeks that every Thursday at this time a council member is coming into your school to teach this class and it's about it's it's basically just civics 101 more specifically yeah. to Cincinnati where I feel like you have to you can't expect people to support something when they don't know what it is I think a lot of people exactly um, edu- uh, the education piece is really vital because so many things are local and uh, national politics, federal government. It's very sexy. It's very, f- you know, fun to get mad at and yell at. But in actuality, sure. and I do, and I do too. <laughs> but in actuality, the things that affect us the most 
the proximity to us is it matters and so you know when your garbage isn't picked up or when the yeah. lights don't work or you know traffic lights aren't working or like this morning i was driving down the street and um on main street north uh, south of central parkway it was completely dark uh, how does that affect you know how does city government affect that so i think right. there's a lot of education that has to take place around um city government and, and its function and, and, and understanding that it's actually more important to vote uh, your local election, um, just yeah. just as important to vote in your local election as it is in your um, federal presidential elections. I think what what concerns me so much about that is that because we are living in this in this time and space where names matter over substance, mm-hmm. because you have, and I don't mind saying this, you don't have to agree with me or not, um, because you have Kardashians and you have Jenners and you have Trumps mm-hmm. and you have The Rock and you have Oprah, you have mm-hmm. names. Yeah, that's people vote for names. Yeah. So I feel like, I mean, I I fully would support your program to have your local people come in because when you when you are twenty two years old and you're voting and you don't know who these people are, you just know whether or not they're blue or red. Mm-hmm. And this is how my father would vote. Yep. This is what my mother suggests me doing. You know, that's... And you do the opposite. Right. Yeah, and you do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. That's that's really a, a an irresponsible way to take ownership of your city. Yeah. No, it's I, very irresponsible. It, it is. And so that's why, I mean, I, I, it's exhausting, but I try to speak at a lot of schools. Even now, I'm only a month in, but I spend a lot of time in schools and I go to a lot of events that typically don't have politicians because it is about just trying to make the connection. I think right. for so long, politics has been so transactional to people mm-hmm. and it's all the, the onus has been on the politicians too. They just come in, they want to get your vote. They're not interested in learning about you as a person, your experiences. And so, you know, people are like that also because they've had tons, years and years and years of um, people not really being that interested in, in learning about them. Right. So I am trying to uh, brace that a little bit. Um, I can't. I'm only one person. I understand that. But I, I really think that um, young people are, they're, act, they're engaged, but we have to engage them in the way that they need to be engaged. I mean, you go to like, a, I went to, like two years ago, I went to a Black Lives Matter rally in um, Washington Park, and mm. there was like 5,000 young people yeah so mm-hmm. you can't say that they don't care it's right. just we have to engage them in a way that we have to that they should be or need to be engaged so it's it takes a little bit more effort mm-hmm. but it's possible um so i mean apathy is a, is a problem but um i have a friend of mine uh she just um, was released from prison um for a crime she didn't commit after 23 years and i've been going with her to different schools and talking to young people and they light up when they see her they want to learn about because of her story, they want to learn about the justice system. They want to learn about how judges are elected, who, yeah. how prosecutors are, you know, chosen. Yeah. That's a, you know, we didn't know that that was going to happen, but it's really uh, increased. And I'm talking about mm. um, colleges and high schools that we she's been going to. And so again, it's just you have to make it come alive. It, it is a different time than yeah. you know we our generation. We were kind of like, oh, we can kind of read out of a book. I don't know if it's because of social media, because of YouTube. You know, a lot of the young people now are just like, you got to show me. And so yeah. we have to do that. We just can't sit back and use the same approaches that was used on us. Yeah. So with social media, do you use that for campaigns also? And do you use that for getting this education out? Yeah, I do. Uh-huh. So what I've been doing, I've done it a few times. When there's, We haven't been in office very long, but when I have a tough vote, 
I like to use social media to tell people why I voted the way I did. I think it's really important so that people understand that, that, you know, you may not agree with me on something, but at least you'll know why I voted. And I think I, I, I use it a lot during our campaign. Uh, we, that's really, honestly, I had a, a huge social media presence. I still do. I have a lot of young people on my, my team, my campaign team in my office, very, uh, very intentionally. Um, my campaign manager, he was 26. He was my oldest staffer. So I really wanted to have, it was, but it was Some like. people with energy. With energy. Not, not our age. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They, they, yeah. Because I was like, some days I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? But <laughs> they really knew how to engage um, young people. We had 20 unpaid interns on our campaign, which is super unheard of. No kidding. That's a lot. It's a lot. We had life. more than anybody. And I'm not, I'm unpaid and not just like chilling like whatever interns i mean i'm talking about hustling out there hustling door knocking intern, and i had nothing to give them but pizza and uh, they were old enough beer i mean that's all i have for them. Um, yeah. but we had about six xavier students about seven uc students we had um miami university students and some high school students and they worked their butts off for me but that's i think because again i tried to engage Young people, I listened to them too. I just didn't have them around. Just like, hey, I just want to have young people. Like, I asked them their ideas when I had high school students. I was like, well, this is what I'm going to do. What do you think about this? And they had, like, really good ideas. So a lot of those people, a few of them have come over to City Hall with me too. I just believe that we have to, government should reflect the people that they serve and not just, um, and I, I, feel, I feel like that, whether it be age, uh, race, gender, um, sexual orientation, gender identity, if you believe in God, if you don't believe in God, I mean, whatever. I just, and I feel like when you do that, um, you get the best, you get the best um, outlook on decisions. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the younger generation right now, the ones that are between, like, let's say, I'm going to say 14 because mm-hmm. that's how old my son is. Mm-hmm. But let's say 14 <laughs> to like, um, let's say low low 30s, um, they seem to be more involved in like looking at the government and actually seeing what's going on. I think our generation um, didn't really do that as much. Do you, or do you feel the same way? I do feel the same way. You. They're very, like, I mean, there's a lot of politically engaged young people in a way. I was weird. I was... In a way that you weren't when you were that age. Yeah, right? like, I, I was like, I mean, uh, you It doesn't know, affect me. Or I'd be like, oh, I, I want to read about it, but I didn't really understand the nuances of it. Like, I yeah. was, like, I have a, I had a nine-year-old or 11-year-old intern on our campaign, Elijah, and what he knew blew me away. Like, he was... He's so smart. He's yeah, a, yeah. he just turned twelve. Like he was amazing. And 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 my one of my policy director is twenty two, and Anthony could tell me he just graduated from UC last year. He could tell me about anything. I was like, I did not know a fraction of what he knew when I was twenty two years old. I was yeah. trying, I was trying to figure out where the party was. I was trying to kick yeah. it. I was like, you know what I mean. I wasn't thinking about the things that he thinks about. So I I agree with you wholeheartedly. They, they do feel. I mean, I think they feel like they can save the world. Mm-hmm. Where I felt like maybe. Some like when we were growing up, we were like, at that, yeah. the world's fine. Yeah. At that age, Tim and I were making really good sandwiches together <laughs> at, at the yeah. coffee shop and playing music. Playing music. Yeah. That's what we And were now doing. we're making sandwiches at home. Yeah. Yeah. And playing, playing music. music. <laughs> right. Not much has changed. No, but. these young people are, they're world changers. So the ap- apathy is the issue. I think it's just an inability for us to want to be engaged. You think about the, the millennial generation, there's no millennials in the United States Senate. That's the largest generation in the history of our country, but there's not one in in the United States Senate. That's a problem. So yeah. 
I, but I could, and and we wonder why we don't use technology the way that we do. We don't leverage it the way that we should because we got a bunch of, you know, disrespecting anybody who's older, but a bunch of like people who just won't get out the way. Like get yeah. out the way and let younger people. I mean, I think like, like no matter what your age is, it should be reflected. But it's just like this, this deep concentration of older people in government who just feel like they're entitled to be in government and should just like some of. I'm looking at you, Strom Thurmond. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a there's quite a few. I'm glad Orrin Hatch isn't. Running for re-election, but it's just yeah. this, it's this obsession with people who just have this. I don't know if it's arrogance or privilege, but they feel like the world they have to, the world needs them to to save. Well, what do you so, think about? What do you think about? Are you a proponent for term limits? Then I am. Yeah, term limits are good. Like I, I'm, if I'm fortunate, I'll have eight years on council. Mm-hmm. I should I shouldn't have more than eight years on council. I mean, it's time for like new. I'm I'm hoping that my my chief of staff is 25. And I want her to run for office so bad. I don't know if she wants to. That's what I want for her. Yeah, yeah. But I really want, we just need people continuously with fresh ideas. I'm coming in fresh and I see the benefit of that. Yeah. After, you know, a few, after two terms, I feel like, okay, I should be, you know, doing something else and somebody has to be coming in to, to either bring something new that I didn't do or like a fresh perspective on something that's already happening. Yeah. Are you seeing, uh, it, it sounds like you're seeing more and more young people. Is that because of? Do you think it's because there's of, just so many of them? There's a lot. Of <laughs> they won't go away. <laughs> do you see it as a? Is it a reflection of our current administration? Like people are are hearing more about what's going on, and they may or may not dig it. They don't because just to be candid, just mm-hmm. to be honest, and 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 as as gruff as this might sound, especially in the political world, the old white man is dying away. He's going away. Mm. And I feel like like what I see with the young people, they're 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 getting on that boat. They're seeing this space is about to open up. I have an opportunity because I don't agree with and whatever surface level it is, mm-hmm. I don't agree with what they're doing. What can I actually do? And pairing that with the education, with the with the programs that you want to see happen, that mm-hmm. you want to see made uh, come to fruition are the are, is this what the the perfect storm is going to be to change and then how long do you see that taking do you see that a gradual build or do you see it as like a uh, almost a coup um, for our, our nation in all forms of government like just all of a sudden a bunch of toddlers come in and say <laughs> we're taking over i'm gonna be candid right back and tell you that old white men aren't getting out of the way fast enough i feel like, like <laughs> You think about the mayoral race, or excuse me, the governor, the gubernatorial race here in Ohio. Yeah. And Dennis Kucinich, who seems like a very nice man. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's a very kind man, but <laughs> he's like, I'm running for governor. It's like, no, like. What for? Why? Like, right. you know what I mean? So it, there's there's some good uh, good candidates, but like, why? Like, why do you feel the need to, you know, just infuse yourself into this race? We have wonderful qualified candidates i mean he was once the mayor of cleveland i respect his service and everything he's done but you know you have to get out the way like and i think the the problem with people who are even the process of running for office is the reason why we have um you know a lot of you know old white men in office i think is because the process of running for office it begs a lot of privilege Mm -hmm. so like the fact that you know, I was able to do this. Um, it put me in a very, uh, I, I was privileged to do this. I mean, I'm not going to deny my privilege. I was able to do this because I had a job that was 
you know, very understanding and welcomed me to do this. Design Impact yeah. allowed me to do this and and paid me um, while I you know ran for office and I still worked there. Even though I couldn't be there as much as I wanted to. Yeah. Um, I had a partner who has a really good job, so I could take some pay cuts and you know be able to do this. And yeah. I don't have any children, so that's also a privilege. Like you know, in that um, um, I didn't have to worry about you know childcare and who was going to take care of my kid or soccer games or basketball mm-hmm. games and, and the like. So because the process is one that begs a lot of privilege you get people who have a lot of that privilege who are just running for office the problem with that is they don't under often understand because of that privilege the um, challenges that they're trying to solve against and so what ends up happening is you you end up with a lot of band-aid solutions so you know take for instance you know the tragedy that happened here in december when the man um, ken martin had passed away he was basically froze to death yeah on um, government um, government square Mm-hmm. Now, people freeze to death all the time. Like uh, people experiencing homelessness freeze to death a lot. But it was the opportunity to put a face with that. And I'm, I mean, you know, and I, I guess it, it humanized it right. for a mm-hmm. lot of people who thought it was just kind of this distant thing. I said it to say for a long time, people have treated like shelters, like homeless shelters, mm-hmm. as like the, 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 the cure for homelessness. Not. And it's not. <laughs> but that's what we've done for so long. Because the people who are doing this haven't really ever experienced homelessness. They don't know, you know, they, they think that that's fine. Well, we give them some place warm and that's fine. Right. But it's, so that, it's the way for us not to see them. Exactly. Put them yeah. And so then there's yep. not a problem. Someone that's else's ex- problem. Exactly. Yeah. So we put them away, put homeless people away where we can't see them. And so then shelters become essentially the answer for, but not, but they won't look at what what is, what's causing the homelessness. Are we looking at? you know, um, the challenges that people are facing that puts them in this predicament. Right. But when you're disconnected from it and you don't understand it, you're not really concerned with that. But we've done that a lot with a lot of challenges in our city. We just, um, you know, our transportation system, instead of, you know, wanting to redesign our transportation system, we just give people bus tokens. And I think while we should give people bus tokens, it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. At some point, you got to be like, okay, how can we redesign the system to connect people to jobs so that they can pay their own way. And get I their think, own bus, bus right. tokens. You know, it's like get their own bus tokens. But right. but it's just, again, we're not thinking. We're just like, oh, just give them tokens, you know. Let them eat cake, you know. It's just like let people, we have to, um, we need more voices and more lenses and more perspectives in government. It's vital. And I, that's one of the reasons why I want to put, you know, creatives in City Hall. That's one, one of the reasons why I think we need more young people in government. We need more women in government. We need um, people of color in government. Just so that, again... It can be more representative. People who are who identify as LGBTQ need to be in government. It's just yeah. we the, the the inclusion is is good because it's the right thing to do, but it's also how you arrive at the best product. I don't care if it's yeah. private or, or public sector. That's that's what you need. So with me and thinking about like I am black, you know, I am um, I, I I identify as LGBTQ. Um, I come from a underprivileged background, so all these. All those like intersections of who I am, you know, it 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 plays a part in how I see policy. Right. Because I'm not just thinking about okay, what what do, and I also have a business background, which is very interesting too. Because a lot of times people, um, um, they're like there's lawyers and you know a lot of those in politics, you know, lawyers become politicians. So I like all these different identities um, matter. Um, yeah. And they 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 should. Um, they should. Like, a lot of times people think, well, they don't believe in identity politics. That's what they'll say. Like, oh, you're playing the woman card, the black card, the gay card. Right. 
And essentially, when 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 a, when a straight white man puts his family on his brochure, he too is playing identity politics. It's Absolutely. just in a different way. Yeah. So I, I'm just really passionate about getting more people involved in government. How, however, that takes. So how that takes. how can you how can you separate? Is there a way to separate that? Because that's what. What I've noticed in, in conversations that I've had, and, and being that Tim and I are from West Tennessee, mm-hmm. we have a lot of friends who are very conservative and, and uh, according to my perspective, closed-minded. Mm-hmm. What, what I see a lot is that the identity politics, how can, you, how can we teach people to separate the policy from the person? Is there a way to do it at all? I recognize a couple things. So we want to get to the same place. We have a different way of getting there. Mm-hmm. So I try to use that perspective. Also, I think it's important to start where we have the most in common and yeah. build out. As someone who like, believes very strongly and very uh, passionately about social and economic justice, what I tell other people is, I ask them, is your goal to demonize mm-hmm. or is your goal to progress? So a lot of times if your goal is, your, if your goal is to demonize, you approach the conversation very differently than right. it would be to actually like make some changes. People like Cincinnati is very segregated, and we know that it is. It's like top five, I think, in the in the country. Taking that into consideration, people aren't responsible for what they haven't experienced. Right. So if someone comes to me and I recognize that they have had limited exposure to people like me, there's some grace I'm going to have to give. But everybody doesn't want to give that grace because they want to demonize. So right. that's that's kind of the. The, the perspective I use. But once I've let you know, then you're held accountable. The more you know people who don't look like you and don't have the same culture and the same values as you, the better. Because it's very, like, if, if someone can hate gay people, like, they, if they think, oh, I hate gay people. Gay mm-hmm. people are the worst. They're an abomination, whatever they say. But then you, someone knocks on the door and they are gay. It's it's harder to hate. The person. It's the person who's in front yeah. of you. Yeah. And, you, you know, but you're hating, like, this this narrative or this this thing that you're thinking about. So... I think that's when having interactions and being relational come into play. But I think, again, it's just starting with, I think we just need to give grace. That's the hardest thing because people are afraid to say what they, because they're like, I don't want to be called a racist because I might say this thing wrong, or I don't want to be called a sexist. I don't want right. to be called this. So we we have to, I'm not saying let people off the hook, but I just think we have to be, Understand where people are coming from, right? And again, understanding it, what is what is what are you trying to do now? If you're trying, like on council, sometimes I feel like sometimes people they, they want to demonize. Yeah, are you trying to allow people the opportunity to, to and, and take advantage of opportunities to educate people? And that's uh, um, one of my colleagues last night uh, texted me because I had said something in council, and I said I didn't say it the right way, and he said. <laughs> He said, hey, I just want to let you know you said this that way. And I was like, man, thank you for giving grace to me and texting me that. Right. I didn't take offense to it or anything yeah. like that. I just I said it wrong. And I was like, I want, I want to make, I want my, make sure my language is inclusive. Right. I'm glad he did that for me. He could have like said on the floor, like, this is what you should have said. And I would have been embarrassed and I would have been right. on defense. So it's, I appreciate that happening. We need more of that. It's more of a yeah. learning opportunity at that point. And I'm really happy he did that for me because... It's I'll, good that you have people like that there, too. It is great. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll know next time that situation arises, how to handle it, how to what's the right you know, sure. uh, phraseology for that. So it'll, it'll be better next well, time. Well, you also... There's, there's a difference there, too, because you're receiving that with humility. You're receiving that mm-hmm. grace. A lot of people I said won't that. receive yeah. that. I said, I, and I said, and I said, I receive mm-hmm. what you're saying. I appreciate it. Yeah. You're right. 
a lot of people will not receive that in that correct way. I mean, that's or that's, see it as a learning opportunity. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. a that's a hard thing for me. I ask for feedback. But I might not Michael be does not get it. <laughs> Michael does not want feedback. I don't want it. You're just I saying, want it, but I don't want just it. He thinks he wants yeah. it. No. Because I already I've got it figured out. You know everything. I know what I'm doing. You do. I'm a stepdad. <laughs> what I say goes. I've got it under control. Thank you for listening to the Let's Meet podcast. Stick around for the next episode to see if stepdad Michael still has it under control. For more information, please visit our website at letsmeetpodcast.com and please subscribe. Let's meet. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Let's meet. Hello. Bonjour. Let's hey, meet. Hey, what you doing? Hey, hello. <laughs>